huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rob Moore. And this episode is marketing, the most important function of a business and making money, question mark. Now, the question mark is very relevant because I think if you were to speak to many business owners, advisors, trainers, they may have differing opinions on what the most important function of business is. And I'm going to argue the case today. I'm good at arguing. Uh, The missus will tell you that. (laughs) about marketing being the single most important function of business. And I'll talk about why in a moment. Before I do, you may hear a slight echo. Actually running this podcast for you in Florida, I'm sat looking out on a beautiful golf course that I've been taking my son to play every day. You might hear helicopters, airplanes, noise in the background. You'll hear some golfers, and if they're anything like me, you'll hear some swearing. So I just thought I'd let you know that. Anyway, back to the podcast. So what things other than marketing could be considered as the most important functions of business? Well, I guess you could say your product. I mean, if you've not got a product that makes a difference to people, if it doesn't serve and solve, uh, it's kind of an also ran. Or in fact, if it's the opposite of that or worse than that, it's something that isn't ethical, then of course, you don't really have a business, do you? Some people say that innovation is the most important function of business to evolve and grow with the times, to create something that matters, that maybe solves problems for people when they didn't know they needed it, makes life easier for people. And I'd certainly agree that those two are right up there. But the reason I think that marketing is the most important function of business is because you could actually have a pretty ropey product or service. And with good marketing, you could get it out there to a lot of people. And you could make a decent amount of money off of it for, of course, an unsustainable amount of time, because as soon as you get found out, then that's going to have a negative impact. But in fact, uh, many people who've had challenges in business will tell you one of our great guests, Gerald Ratner, he'd tell you this, that uh, sometimes if you make a little mistake, then marketing can spread that mistake very quickly like wildfire. And uh, it can damage your business quite quickly. But marketing is essentially them getting your message of your business, your product and service out there to hungry buyers. Of course, innovation and growth and change, evolution are really important in a business. But again, you can change and have this amazing product or service that's going to change the world. But if the world doesn't know about it, it's kind of, it's dormant, it's in hibernation. So I really believe that marketing is the most important function of any business. Now, What is marketing? Because a lot of people don't really know what the difference between sales and marketing is. Well, it's quite simple, really. If if you think of a shop, I use the analogy of a shop. 
in the shop, you have the salesperson or the person behind the cash desk. And when someone comes to buy one of your products or services in the shop, then they are at point of sale. So that you could argue they're the salesperson. But without anyone in the shop, you have no business. And getting people in the shop is marketing. So it's getting customers, clients, hungry buyers. It's getting your target demographic, people already qualified to buy from you. It's not just about making a load of noise and interrupting people who aren't interested in your product and service. It's about finding people who are interested in what you've got to say, the product or service that's going to change people's lives, and then sharing the message and the vision of that, how that can change their lives. That's marketing. Now, there are really two functions of marketing within marketing, and that is the art of marketing and the science of marketing. And in a previous life as an artist, I think that I was much more into the art of anything, and certainly the art of art, and probably the art of marketing. So I kind of thought, well, if you do something creative and innovative, if you use a, use a new a technique, or if you create something that's a bit controversial, then people will buy your work or find you. And uh, that was a, a prayer I was, I was uh, encanting for many years and never really happened at all when I was an artist. And whether you thought that my art was good or not good, it's kind of irrelevant because there are many great modern artists and I define great as great at what they do, but well-known and out there. Like, for example, Damien Hurst and Tracy Emin. Damien Hurst cut up a dead shark, put it in formaldehyde in a glass container and... You know, that's art and that's sold for millions and millions and millions of pounds and it must be worth hundreds of millions now. Tracy Emin got in a bed, unmade it, messed it around a bit, put it in a museum of art and made millions and millions and millions of pounds and again, must be worth 50, 100, I don't know, maybe hundreds of millions of pounds. So what makes a great artist? Is it the art or is it the marketing of the art? Is it the controversy and is it the getting it out there to the rich clients and getting the rich clients to share it with their rich clients? Well, I'd argue that both are important because on the other hand of it, in the world of big data and analysis and research, you know, if you, it's so easy now to get all research and data and analysis for every single thing that a human being does, the steps that you walk, everything. And, and, and that kind of big data world means that you can really analyze what your customers and clients are going to do, where they're going to click on your website, if they're going to opt in or not. You can analyze and split test the headlines of your reports or the names of your books and really predict with greater accuracy the efficacy of your message and your marketing, which reduces the spend that you have and increases the opt-in, the reach, the purchases, the lifetime client value. So there's the art side of it. It's the controversy, the uh, viral nature of it, it getting talked about. And then there's the science of it, which is the data and analysis. Now, if you're going to ask me which one I'm leaning more towards as the most important in marketing, it's definitely the science. It's the prediction, because I think it's just such a gamble if you just re rely on the art side of marketing, which might be uh, your intuition, because you know, Steve Jobs was famous for saying that he doesn't do any customer surveys because he knows better than his customers what his customers wants. He knew that his customer didn't want a, a toggle, a funny little pen thing to press on your phone with tiny buttons. He knew, knew that people wanted to use their finger. It was more intuitive. But, you know, he's the exception to the rule. And I, I don't think that most people on the planet, unless you've got decades of experience in your field, 
have that deep intuition and knowledge, the art, the branding, if you like, to know exactly what their customers want. So I think that you really should research and look at as much and data as you can, survey all the time, consistently ask your clients what they want on Facebook groups. Or you survey monkey and email out to the database you have, no matter how small. Sit down with your clients, ask them uh, what they loved about your product and service. For non-buyers, get an external teleconference, telesales company to phone them up and ask them why they didn't buy because they'll be more honest to someone they don't know than you, if, especially if you're a, a one-man band business or you are sales and marketing in your operation. They're going to be nice to you. They're not going to be honest to you and you want blunt, candid feedback. You want to know why they didn't buy. So then you can engineer that feedback into the future creation of your product or service. So merging art and science, I think, will really give you an edge over your competitors. And again, the art and the science of it is... It leads us nicely into the next part, which is the two main types of marketing that I see out there, which is the brand of the style of marketing. You know, the the big corporations paying hundreds of millions or billions to get their logos on TV or on golf T-shirts of Rory McIlroy or or just basically pounding your mind with their logo and their tagline, the very much the non-direct response, i.e. testing how much that increased their business and their, their response profit is virtually impossible. And then you have the direct response side of marketing, which is where you don't spend any money on marketing unless you can get a direct result, a, some, some data. You can see which headline work best. You can see which opt-in page or landing page or which part of your website had the, the best heat map where the most people are looking or, or clicking. And really, I think that if you're, especially if you're a small business, you really want to focus on direct response. You want to use as many testing platforms as you can. So, for example, just to give you a little insight into the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast, I use Omni Studio, which is a way of recording the data. And I, I can see right now, in fact, I'll just click my laptop and have a look. I can see that there are 103 countries that subscribe to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. I can see all the podcasts and which ones had the most all the way through to the least subscriptions, which is great because that could give me an idea of which headlines have worked the best to get most of the podcasts downloaded. I can see, it's really interesting, actually, if you were to be able to see the data. Sorry, I'm teasing you because you can't because you're listening to me. But so fascinating to see that on the weekends, it gets the least amount of lessons uh, consistently every weekend. And then Monday, it peaks. Tuesday, it seems to peak the highest. And then Wednesday, it dips a little bit. Thursday, a little bit. Friday, a little bit. Saturday's the, Saturday and Sunday, the lowest. Monday, it goes. So, so almost to the letter, I'm looking. Tuesdays is the highest downloaded day. Maybe I should change when I release the podcast because we currently release them Mondays and Fridays. But maybe if I release them on Tuesdays, I might get more downloads. But really interesting data. So something to look at. So maybe if I want to run some pay-per-click ads on Facebook or I want to run some YouTube ads for the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast, I'd either look at really giving it a boost Monday and Tuesday because that's getting seen, or I might do the opposite and I might test uh, giving it some boost or pay-per-click advertising on Saturday and Sunday because the weekends are a lot lower. So yeah, just fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating. I'm not really a, a techie kind of person. I'm not really into numbers. I'm more the sort of creative 
kind of brain, the vision kind of brain. If you've ever done disc, I'm way at the top. I'm not a detailed person. And uh, if you've ever done wealth dynamics, you know, again, really high. Now, not, not just doing this to talk about me, but the point is if I can learn to read data and analytics and kind of get juiced and passionate about it, so can you. And the reason I get passionate about it is because, A, it helps you make a lot more money. You know, you can really see it straight to the bottom line. It wastes marketing spend which is really important. It means you've got confidence to spend on marketing. You want to be analysing your cost per click, your cost per lead. You want to be analysing what that lead brings you in terms of its initial sale and then what it brings you in the lifetime client value of the sale. And then you can work out what the maximum acquisition cost for the lead is, the the maximum amount of money that you can afford to pay to buy a, a new lead. And then when they turn into a customer, what their value is and I'm going to talk about those a bit later on. I'm going to give you some kind of acronyms for testing marketing. And that leads us to the next topic, which is testing. If you're ever in doubt in marketing, test. Never go and go full scale into any launch or campaign without first having tested. You should be doing test launches, i.e. to a small segment of your database or a small portion of your clients. Can you do a pre-launch or a test launch? just to see what their response is, because there might be just one small part of the process. And let's use the example of launching a book. It might be the cover design that's kind of not getting people interested. It might be the the headline doesn't get people interested. It might be the content of the book, hopefully not. It might be where you're promoting and marketing the book. It might be the wrong demographics. You know, if you're promoting a book on pensions and how to make money at the age of over the age of 65 on Snapchat you're going to get it all wrong because that has a kind of 20 something demographics and your and your content your material is in the 65 and over demographics so there are all sorts of variables it's it's a little bit frustrating in a way because you can have the perfect product launch except for one small variable and it can totally break the entire launch and you can waste a lot of money or a lot of time not getting the results that you want so testing is is probably the most important part of marketing and the great thing about testing is some things that you wouldn't have expected to work work really well some things that break end up working I remember this funny story where we were running a course for one of our property companies, and it's a course called Deal Packaging. And at the time, I think we had about, let's say, 120,000 subscribers on our database, something like that. So we have 120,000 customers that open open our emails and, you know, are interested in our work. And we had 60 people-ish booked on this deal packaging course. And I think the the discounted price of the course was about £2,000. It's a three-day course. It's a delivery course. And we use Infusionsoft, which is our kind of CRM and email and text and direct mail system in-house. It's a big, complicated system. And we had a new person in marketing that was doing our stick marketing. And stick marketing, you want to write this down, is the marketing that you do to people after they've bought your product or service or agreed to come to your event. It's what you market to them, the messages you give them to get them to show up or to get them to consume your product. That's called stick marketing. And so this new team member didn't, wasn't totally up to speed with our stick marketing systems. And in Infusionsoft, you can, you can select a segment. And so one of our copywriters in the marketing team wrote a stick marketing letter to go out to the 60 people in the deal packaging course to say, hey, looking forward to see you. This is the instructions for the course. This is how to prepare. 
And instead of just including the 60, they excluded the 60 and included the 119,940 people. So the 60 people who are supposed to come on the course didn't even get any message from us to turn up. No stick marketing at all. And 120, nearly 1,000 people got a message completely irrelevant to them. What a massive cock up. (laughs) Now, here's the interesting thing. At least 15 people then said, oh, what's this deal packaging course? Can I sign up to it? And it made us over £30,000 in accidental sales. Now, of course, you don't want to do a test like that accidentally. But the point is, quite a lot of things in marketing happen that you don't expect. And in sales, they they call it ABC, always be closing. In marketing, it's ABT, always be testing. So never put all of your assets and time and money into one campaign without testing first. Test everything. If you're in any of my online communities, the progressive property community, the disruptive entrepreneur community, the unlimited success community, you'll know I always ask for your feedback all the time. What podcast do you want me to do the most? Who do you want me to interview the most? What should the name of this book be, that book be? What should the subtitle be? What should the content be? What do we do well? What do we do badly? What should we stop? What should we start? What should we keep? And that's so valuable. And, and it just de-risks business and it, it, it more guarantees profit. And it makes business fun. It makes business less risky. And on that note, stop, start, keep. I can't remember which, which book I got that from. It may have been a Jim Collins book. It may have been Good to Great, or it might have been Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. But the, the stop, start, keep system for getting feedback is such a great way to get feedback from your customers, clients, your buyers, from your staff, from your team. And it's a simple process and survey of getting great intel information to improve your marketing and your business. And it's literally, well, should I stop? I.e., what am I doing really badly? And what do you not like? What should I start? I.e., what am I not doing that I should be doing? And what should I keep? Which is, what am I doing that you like that I should keep doing or scale up? So maybe you want to make a note of that. If you're driving, maybe just uh, pull over. What should you stop? What should you start? And what should you keep? Okay, so the next part then of this podcast is having multiple platforms. If you're relying on one thing for marketing, and the thing I hear the most that people are relying on is word of mouth marketing. And for me, that's just a sign that people do not have enough marketing platforms. They do not have enough strategies. They do not know how to scale up marketing. And the risk of that is if you've not got other people talking passionately and enthusiastically about your business, then you've got no business. And it's really risky just to rely on word of mouth. It's a sign of a small business now. It's a sign of a successful business if you're growing and growing and growing on, based on the, the, the word of other people. But of course, um, if your business is a little bit technical or complicated, it's, you know, you're not like a film where we all know that we need, where we go to watch a film. We all know to go to the cinema or to watch it on Netflix. And if someone recommends a film, it's easy to find. But your business or product might be a little bit more complicated or technical and you might need a specific tracking link or they might need to take multiple steps to buy your product or service. And therefore, it's difficult. So word of mouth might not be effective. So you want to have multi-platform strategies, which means you want to be out on social media and the, the various platforms such as Snapchat, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, 
etc. Twitter. It also means that you want to be on YouTube. It also means you want to be on pay-per-click, such as Facebook pay-per-click, Google pay-per-click. You might want to do YouTube paid advertising, Instagram pay-per-click. Uh, you might want to be doing direct response, so uh, direct marketing such as posting and letters and, and leaflets, text message marketing, although be careful not to be maybe too aggressive on that. Now, I was going to say maybe radio, TV, uh, that's a little bit higher level. It's much harder to respond. That's more the art than the science of marketing. But certainly maybe you should be having podcasts. You should be promoting your value-add marketing, which is your free marketing in different media, such as audio, video, free reports, blogs, etc. So the, the more platforms you have, the more reach you have, and uh, the more access to more clients and customers, the bigger your databases will be. And importantly, the less at risk you are and exposed you are if uh, some platforms shut down or don't become as effective. Because if you have 100,000 followers on, say, Twitter and Twitter changes its algorithm or isn't the main marketing platform anymore, then all of a sudden you lose those 100,000 subscribers. Whereas if you have them all as an email subscriber, you own them. So you don't own Facebook or Instagram followers. But at the moment, some of those are huge. So if you have different platforms, then if things change, you can cross market from one to the other. So let's say you think that Facebook's algorithms are changing or things are going to get worse, then you can promote all of your followers on Facebook to then opt into your email to get your blog or to subscribe to your YouTube channel. And therefore, you, you know, you're de-risked, if you like, from changes in, in marketing. Okay, so I'm going to make this a two-part podcast for a few reasons. I'm going to be honest with you. The first one is the battery is flashing at me and I really don't want to lose this. And also because I think this is going to be over the normal half an hour. So coming in part two of marketing is lifetime client value, maximum acquisition cost per head revenue for each of your multimedia platforms, specific leverageable media. So I'm going to give you specific medias which are leverageable, which you can create more business and customers and get more viral marketing, value add marketing, building your following and fan, fan base and celebritizing yourself, crowdsourcing and surveys and pre-selling and communicating your vision and uniqueness and how it serves and solves and merging your personal and business platforms and also separating your personal and business platforms. And I'm going to give you some launch formulas to, to grow your business. So I look forward to speaking to you on part two of marketing. If you haven't yet reviewed the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could give it a review. We've had what, 115 reviews in what seems like just a few minutes of launching this podcast. And if you share it on Facebook or Twitter or any of your platforms, your email list, if you share it, and please do put the link to the podcast on, you need to do that. I'll give you a signed copy of Life Leverage. And I want to thank the thousands of people who've done that already. I'm really wowed by the response. Thank you very much. 